Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tailboard Misfits podcast. I'm your host, Heath Meredith, joined by my co-host, Gunnar Michelli. Hey, guys. What's up? All right. Well, we just wanted to thank everybody for all the, all the awesome feedback. We've been getting a, a ton of um, feedback on Facebook, lots of new shares, uh, tons of listens, and we just want to thank everybody for that. That's pretty awesome, uh, showing that, that we're coming out of the gate strong, and we just want to keep it going. So y'all keep keep following us on Facebook, Instagram, sharing our uh, sharing our post, uh, letting your friends know. Just getting the word out. Uh, we're creating a movement and getting change to the culture in the fire service. So thank y'all. Yes, sir. It's been awesome. But uh, anyway, well, uh, how was your shift last night, man? It wasn't too bad. We actually slept all night, so that doesn't happen too often where I'm at. So you know, I was really really proud of that. <laughs> and uh, main unit guys even slept pretty good, so we can't complain about it. But during the day, it was rocking and rolling. Yeah? Yeah, they were like 10 calls by like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 12 calls, 14 calls, something like that. Dang. Yeah, they were running and gunning. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't miss those days. Uh, yeah, we actually do this for a living, folks. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, plant was good, man. We're, uh, we're back up. Turnaround's done. Finally got, uh, got gas cut in. So no incident, so we're good. So time to uh, plant, make a little methanol, make a little money. Yeah, make a little methanol, make a little money. It'll go on for about a month or two. And... <laughs> yeah, they're already planning another outage for September. So it is what it is. Don't but, miss uh, them days. Uh, money was good. Yeah, money's pretty good, but it's just uh, it's a rat race when they're down, you know. And then uh, whenever everybody gets back up, then you can't find a soul because everybody's hiding. <laughs> yeah i worked with b shift last night so you know how those guys oh are. yeah they're funny but, they always got something to say oh yeah they're asking about you but uh anyway well guys on the last episode we talked a lot about uh retention and recruitment um i'm just gonna go ahead and put this out here man if uh if our podcast and talking about having some integrity and bringing back uh some honor and integrity and, and being true to, uh, to what the fire service is about and, and having the community's trust. If that's a problem for you and you're, uh, you're telling your guys that they don't need to be listening to that, then you're the fucking problem. Yeah, tell that story. Let everyone hear. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and let this know. Uh, yeah, so our, uh, our first show was on for probably about 12 hours. And, uh, man, I get some, some text messages from some guys I used to work with, and uh, they were saying that some of the battalion chiefs and shit were telling them that uh, – if they listened to the to this show, then they were problem children, and that they uh, they probably had to be dealt with that this wasn't good, and and that they didn't need to be listening to this. And I'm just like, well, that proves everything that we're trying yeah, to do. Absolutely, <laughs> so, I mean that's just so crazy, dude. It really is. I mean, uh, that's such a, I guess, I, I you can't even articulate it. It's just the way that they're viewing that is just outrageous. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show they're in their own little mindset and, uh, they, they really have no idea what leadership is. They have no idea what honor and integrity is. They're just playing a chief's game. And, uh, what they don't realize is you can, uh, you can cater to a chief and that's great. You know, you can be one of his, his right hand men and everything like that. But when that guy's basically on the cusp of retirement, you know, what then? So yeah. you're just going to, you know, the next chief that comes in, you're going to completely alter. It just shows that you're not true to who you are because you have no sense of purpose. You have no sense of, of, uh, of directional compass. And you just go with the wind, you know, wherever the wind blows you just to keep a job. And that's not what this business is about. No. And uh, thank gosh I've been fortunate to have good chiefs. And I haven't to had to go down that route. And 
Because, I mean, honestly, man, you know, I talk about changing this culture and stuff like that, but it's hard for somebody in my, like, the time of my career, I've only been doing this, you know, for a year in the municipal department, and, you know, and I don't have really a leg to stand on, you know. So, it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Oh, it just, it made me laugh because I'm like, hey, I'm cool with ruffling feathers. It is what it is. Uh, I, if somebody has a problem with having a conversation with, with a younger group, a younger generation about integrity in the fire services, that's a problem for somebody. That's just mind-blowing. So, it means we're doing good, man. Oh, yeah. So, we'll, we'll keep it up, and, you know. And uh, if they made that comment, they're listening too, I guess. So. Oh, hey, yeah. Keep listening. <laughs> If the shoe fits, <laughs> yep. the shoe fits. Yep, wear that motherfucker. That's all I can say. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we're going to do a little 2.0 on, um, on retention and recruitment because a, that's a really big topic, and uh, we can really have a lot to say about it as far as that goes. But um, we're going to do a, a, second, a second show on that. We may do a third and a fourth later on down the road, but, but right now we've just kind of wanted to build on what we talked about um, and I kind of want to start off with, with an example of something I was thinking about. Whenever, uh, when I worked for a certain district chief, you know, um, he, he was a real big inspiration for me. He taught me a lot about leadership and what it meant to, to be that middleman uh, between administration. And, and, of course, you know, I was a, a new captain at the time. And um, so he was awesome with us, super transparent. Anytime he would go have a chief's meeting, you know, with all the, with all the big chiefs, he'd come back. He had his notepad. He took notes, came back, told us everything that was talked about, um, was very transparent. Now, there were certain things, you know, if I'm sure if the chief gave him a direct order, like, hey, this stays in-house until blah, 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 then he probably kept it to himself. But for the most part, as far as we knew, everything in the department at that time was transparent. Um, and one thing that always stuck out to me was he knew his guys. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, to this day, if he, he's no longer in the fire service, he retired. But if he, you know, went and became a chief somewhere, he called me up, man, I'd be gone. Because mm-hmm. he was just awesome. He knew his guys. He knew their walks of life. I mean, he even took it so far as, um, you know, he knew, knew the guys, everybody's wife's name, their kid's name, how old they were. I mean, he really took and made a, a huge effort into getting to know his people. That speaks volumes to the type of person he is. Hundred percent, and you're just like, man, and you know, it would be it would be simple stuff as you know, he knew I was from Deep East Texas. You got pine trees galore everywhere, so little stupid crap like we'd have a tree down on a power line or you know across somebody's driveway or whatever. Guess who he'd be like, hey man, you want to run the saw? <laughs> yeah, I'll run the saw. You know, because he that's something he knew about where you're from and everything like that. Uh, I could run a chainsaw better than any of those city guys ever thought about. Yeah. You know, and, and then there would be on the vice versa. You know, you may have a guy on, on the crew that speaks Spanish, and we'd be on a call, and he'd be like, hey, you know, I need you over here. Come come help me in. It didn't matter a rank. It was what that specific person had a talent in or a skill in. He was able to use that uh, to his advantage, ultimately, to make sure that the scene ran, ran smoothly and, and you were able to use people's experience and all that. And I just got to thinking about that as far as retention goes. Man, if you... If you would get to know your people, you can be a superstar. Yeah. And you don't even have to be, like, as a chief or, you know, especially as a captain like myself, um, I don't have to be the absolute best person on the crew. Now, do I strive to be most of the time? Absolutely. But there's certain things that, man, I'm a big dude, hmm. 6'3", 
I'm not an etocrat. It's not happening. But if I have a guy on my crew that, you know, or a girl on my crew, because I've had some pretty awesome girls that were great at being an attic rat because you could just shove them up the scuttle hole and they were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they could get everything done that a bigger guy like me never could, but I'm not going to ask them to, you know, move a, a two and a half by themselves as charged or, or move a refrigerator by themselves. It's just getting to know your people. And yeah. then you give them the ability to feel like they're valued and their skills and their talents and the things that they live outside of the fire service. They're, you know, everybody's got another life. They, uh, they really feel valued. So that's pretty much where you're getting at. So him being so personal with, with y'all, you feel like he just valued y'all a lot and it has made y'all, you know, love to work there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, 100%. and so, like, has there ever been a time where, like, you did follow him to departments and or did he bring people to the department that you were currently at due to his leadership style? and? Uh, he had a lot of people fighting to come on his shift. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he – uh he had a lot of people that came, um, tried to come come to that shift. I mean, it was it was pretty much one of those deals. Whenever people would promote, there was actually some guys that turned down promotions because they didn't want to leave the shift. Yeah, and that speaks volumes. And you know, it just goes to show you where it associates itself with you know retention. And if that one man can build a culture just around himself, you know, to where people just want to stay there and want to be there, want to work for him, stuff like that. If the whole department can get on board with that and produce that same culture, it'll be. It's the same, you know, analogy. It's the same thing, you know, because if you have a department that speaks that kind of volumes, you know, like everyone's going to flock to it. Everyone's going to want to stay there. And essentially, you know, money doesn't matter all the time. And these guys leaving to these, you know, high-paid departments, they'll be able to, you know, kind of be like, oh, do I really want to go to a culture that I'm not going to chive with like that? Or do I want to stay here where I love the job? I love what I do. And I got awesome leadership, you know. And a lot of times they'll choose the leadership over the – money oh for sure yeah that, i mean that's one of the he ended up retiring um and now he, he's com- into a completely different field now but um yeah that was one of the main determining factors for me as as to why i left that department and, and went on uh to another because i knew his time was coming up and yeah. i was like basically looking at what was coming in after yeah. him and i'm like yeah this isn't gonna be good so so outside of him the, uh, of the department um it wasn't worth staying at. No, no. The rest, uh, it, it was basically the rest of the department was was structured like you know the other places that I've been. It was um, everybody out for themselves, and and truthfully, um, the other district chiefs and the assistant chiefs and all they hated this guy because wow. he had the loyalty of his men. So he was mm-hmm. dangerous mm-hmm. because if he if he said something, everybody would do that. They would not listen to what Big Chief has to say. It was that. It was that kind of. Uh, conflict within them, even in the officer meetings, and I mean, there was a lot of stuff he got done um, that the the other chiefs they absolutely despised because we would work our asses off for this dude. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I mean, we would where other shifts, you know, they'd have a big commercial fire or something like mm-hmm. that. Other shifts would have to call in personnel. Man, we didn't want to let him down. Like, we had a really bad fire, uh, pretty bad commercial fire, huge storage building fire it was all over the news and all this kind of stuff. Man, we had guys literally drop and go into the hospital because they just didn't want to quit working mm-hmm. because you were that proud to be there. I mean, it was that's awesome. It was a long extended ordeal, but yeah, I mean, ultimately that's what it came down to. And including myself, I didn't go to the hospital or anything like that, but I worked my ass off. He would be like, "Meredith, go put the fire out." Yes, sir. I mean, that's just what you did. Um, 
But anyway, I just uh, I got to thinking about that over the last few days and and just thinking being that personal, just just the little stuff of just knowing, even knowing that you were married, because to me it was, and he he explained this um, when guys would ask, you know, why do you why do you take such an interest, you know, in, in getting to know and and uh, especially like the wives and the kids and all that kind of stuff, because at that time, you know, we were, I think I landed two or three Christmases in a row, so um, wives and kids and all that would come up to the station, and we were doing doing Christmas at the station. Um, and he was always, you know, interacting and, and getting to know everybody. And his deal with it was, um, he told me that a long time ago he got to thinking about it, and he was talking to his own wife about it, and that this job is dangerous. We all know that. But his deal was if, if that day ever came where he had to come knock on the door, he didn't want to be a stranger coming mm -hmm. to knock on your door to oh, tell wow. your wife that, that something had happened. Yeah. He didn't want it to ever be a stranger. Because um, he said that, you know, I wouldn't want a stranger coming to tell him my wife. I would want it to be one of you guys that knows my wife. Yeah. So you would have that, that connection and you, you would hurt together. You would mourn together and everything. But it wouldn't be just some, you know, Joe Blow I've never met showing up in a white shirt. Hey, your husband's dead. You know, it, it wouldn't be like that. It would that's be. That's crazy. I never looked at it in that perspective. That, and that's 100% like how he, he thought. And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, that's so awesome. I have to take a note of that. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I hung on to that the rest of my career. Uh, I still do to this day. Uh, that's, that became something I held on. You know, you, when you work for different people, you work for different officers. Then when you become an officer, you take traits of people that you didn't like, and you're mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm never going to do that. And then you take traits of people that you did like, um, and you build your own platform on what you're going to be as a leader. You, you build your own model. And uh, that was one of the things that, that I made sure that I, I took with me. But um, as far as retention goes, that – and it's so simple. Mm -hmm. And if, if every, every officer – I mean, you don't even necessarily have to be an officer. As an EO, as a, as a firefighter, you can do that. Get to know your people. If you're the senior pipeman, you know, get, get to know your rookie. And is he married? Does he have kids? Does he have dogs? You know, anything like that. Yeah. What does he do for hobbies and all that? And you can build a relationship on, with that stuff. Then later on down the road, y'all may be at different stations, you know, whatever. Hell, that guy may become your boss one day. And then he's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, Gunner was my senior. You know, when I first came in, and man, he was so awesome. He treated me so good. You know, I'm his captain now, but I'm going to take care of him now because he was so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's you know, awesome. it's just, yeah, it's treat others like you want to be treated. Oh, is really absolutely. what it comes down to. But that, that relationship building was always just a huge, huge part. And, and looking at it now, I'm like, man, the, the departments, the people I've been around, the crews that stick together, the people that you don't ever have to worry about losing and leaving, um, they have those type of relationships. So. Yes, because you can't, like, we cannot compete with Metroplex pay. And so those little small aspects, those little small things mean volumes to somebody that, you know, never really had that or never experienced that in life, you know. And so this is a new thing to them. And um, if they go to a place with a department that doesn't treat them like family, that doesn't treat them like they're part of the crew, and, you know, it's Shit, just, they don't even know your name, you're just yeah, a number. Yeah, you're just a number. Yeah. And, you know, and so they're not going to be loyal to that department. No, no absolutely they, not. It's like, you know, they're going to be like, well, I'm a number. Well, I'm going to start looking at numbers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's a fact. Yeah. yeah, you know, start going to a higher paid department. And that's the thing. You, when you're hiring people like this, stop looking at them. Like I said in the last podcast, as a number, look at them as an individual because I don't know, man, you just feel valued. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, I think that's something that, 
culture wise that people need to take a good hard look in the mirror and just say, you know, am I doing that? When it, cause everybody's having to do this mass hirings, you know, and, and people are coming in, they may have to hire 10, 15, 20 guys at a time or bigger cities. They may be hiring a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, um, and running these academies and stuff. And that's a little harder on that aspect. And, and I understand, you know, a huge fire department, you know, LA fire, New York mm-hmm. fire, all, they're not going to be, those chiefs are not going to know a firefighter, but, no. but their officers can. You know, you, you have a guy come in on your crew, you're looking at what, like max, a huge crew, 12 people. Mm-hmm. How freaking hard is it to get to know, get to know, you're sitting at the kitchen table with them. Living with them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that hard. You can, you can, you can still 100% abide by, you know, the chain of command and all that kind of stuff, but you can still have a relationship. It doesn't have to be completely formal all the time. No. Um, it shouldn't be. You're living together. Like you said, it's, it is a firehouse. You know, I know we have to be... Everything is all about being new format and this and there. It's a fire station and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it is a still a firehouse. You're still you're still shitting and showering and shaving there, and you're probably there more than you're at your own house. So why don't we just treat it like that? Absolutely. So I have a question for you. So as a department, you know we're having a hard time recruiting, and it's across the board, really. How would you kind of focus your strategy on recruiting and stuff like that in order to, you know, we're really shorthanded. We don't have many guys. We don't have many people testing. But there's obviously, there's got to be some kind of strategy to be able to get these guys here to want to to become part of the department and stuff and to keep them. Because things that we're running into, you know, they'll come and get hired on here. Then all of a sudden, you know, they'll get their paramedic or whatever. They'll see the light on the other end of the table when it comes to money. But they just won't stay. How would you kind of fix that? Um, well, it sounds, I mean, the way most departments, I'd say, just in our state, for instance, you know, since we have the, the commission website, you look on there, you can log on any day and look, and and most of these departments, man, they're constantly on there. Yeah. Um, so basically, that's been exhausted. If I'm on the outside looking in, that means of, of recruitment, uh, it's been exhausted. Now, of course, you got to still post on there for, for people to be able to see and, and have the fine print on what the benefits package is and, and um, what the hiring date, test date. Mm-hmm. All, of course, you still have to post. There. I'm not saying take that away. But that means of recruitment is exhausted. So your next level, of course, would be word of mouth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, employees that are already working there. Um, but the way this business is, usually the guys you know already kind of have a job. Yeah. So you're either going to be trying to draw them from another department, which is going to be hard to do if pay is not a significant thing. Um, so really, man, your next your next uh, your next choice is fire academies. Yeah. Um, I personally think that there's enough people that are voluntarily going to fire just in, in our area. Um, from what I can tell, there's enough people voluntarily going to fire academies. I don't think smaller departments have the need to, to do the, um, you know, driver's license, high school diploma mm-hmm. test. I don't, I don't think it's to that point yet. Bigger departments. Yeah. You know, Houston, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin. Yeah. There are those places cause they're having to hire hundreds. Yeah. Um, but a place like Longview where you're at, um, man, hit the fire academies. I would go into the academies and um, it's say if you, I don't know if y'all have like a recruitment division or whatever, but that might be something to even look into. Yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at to possibly start. I would look at doing like a recruitment division and then say, 
you know, you hit up, I don't even know what all the uh, academies are up there, but you have Kilgore up there. Of course, you have Angelina. You got Navarro College, um, LIT. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's plenty within a two to three hour drive time from you. So I would hit up those departments, say, second, third week of school. Start talking to the instructors. Go in as, as not necessarily a guest speaker, but just a guest of the class. Start observing. Okay. Talk to the instructors. Hey, you know, who y'all liking? Who, who's showing promise in this class? Who's a good um, physical candidate? Who's showing up early? Who's, uh, you know, who's helping take out the trash first? Who's taking initiative in the class, basically, is what I'm getting at, to get the, the class chores done. Yeah. Um, talk to the instructors. Get those names. They'll tell you. You know, instructors, they're they are pretty damn brutal. You know, yeah. they'll be like, hey, this, this dude's a piece of shit, you know, or this guy, he, he's proven, you know, he I think he really wants to do this job. And say it's a class of 30 people, you know, you start going through there and do you watch them, watch them the rest of the semester. Who starts, you know, kind of falling off, who's starting to get bored with it, who's not, who's not applying themselves anymore, who's trying to push to the end. Because mm-hmm. at the end, you know, everybody knows that's when we got live fire coming up. All your hands-on stuff, for the most part, is at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I would start, you know, staying in contact with those instructors, especially if y'all have guys that are on your staff that are instructors at some of these places, that would be ideal. And then, um, just basically treat it like a draft, man. You yeah. can straight up pick them out <laughs> when they graduate, be at their graduation and be like, Hey, you know, we've been, we've been following you. We've been watching you. We've been in touch with your instructors. You've shown a lot of promise throughout this entire process. Um, you know, your grades are good. You obviously you passed all this. Um, do you have your EMT yet? Are you going to paramedic school? You know, what's your status on your EMT stuff? And then just straight up recruit them like that, like you're, you know, plucking them out of school. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, I've always been a, a fan of them because then you know what you're getting. You're, the instructor's going to tell you if this dude has heart or this lady has heart. Uh, they're going to tell you if they're a slug. They're going to tell you if they're if they're in it for the wrong reasons or or whatever. They'll be honest with you. They'll tell you all that, and then you, you basically know what you're getting. And then you're going to get somebody that's young, hungry, ready to roll, and you got a job for them. Absolutely. You're not. They're not having to play the I'm going to test all over the place game, um, trying to get a job. They're they're not going to have to do that. You immediately have brought them in, and then they feel like, hey man, this they've been watching me. Like they're interested in me, so they immediately want to try to please you because you've shown interest and then you just bring them in and and they do their tests you know and everything they'll pass all their all their higher on tests and all that then you just tell them like hey the momentum you were you were following in fire school we want you to keep that up you need to just completely keep flowing into your rookie year and doing the same stuff taking the initiative you were showing showing the same heart showing the same care um the same drive and you'll fit in just fine right here Mm-hmm. And boom, you just, that's like, it's just smooth sailing. They already they've already it's an easy transition for them because they're not having to either step their game up to get a job because they were down you know they were at a subpar level when they were there in the, in the academy. They just roll right in. And would you get like kind of on a personal level with them as they're going through this recruitment? Uh, maybe towards the end. Yeah, I, I would just kind of let them. I would let them be known, let it be known that there was people watching, but you don't know who they're watching. Let that be the instructors. Cause you also don't want to be a distraction. And then yeah. you also don't want to, 
you know, it's kind of like an interview. People come in for an interview and they'll sell you a line of shit. Yeah. And because you've only met this person for 45 minutes, you really don't know because they can come mm-hmm. in and tell you anything. Um, to get the job, they can promise you the moon or tell me you whatever they, they think you want to hear. And if you're foolish enough to listen to that, then you're inheriting some shit. You don't know what you're inheriting. But if you've been watching this person four to six months and their performance throughout all, and they know, you know, you're going to get to see how they act when they're tired. You're going to get to see how they act whenever they have tons of work. Because if it's like a, a person that's in fire school and they're just getting their EMT, you know, and they don't have their paramedic yet, well, now you know they have a paramedic class coming. So you can see how they have performed under stress of having all that, you know, book work and homework assignments and, and tests and all that kind of stuff from EMT and fire school. You're, you're able to tell, like, you can ask the instructors, you know, how are they doing when all the work gets piled on? Mm-hmm. Well, they can handle it. So now, you know, like as a city, if you're having to send them to paramedic school and they're having to come out of pocket for that, well, you're, you've got somebody that already can handle the schoolwork aspect of it. They can handle the workload. Mm-hmm. You're not just wild guessing off somebody off the street that came in and tested. And now they're going to spend a hundred grand going to school and they're going to fail out because they can't handle the testing. They can't handle the pressure of clinical hours and, you know, all the, all the classwork and tests and all that kind of stuff. You're, you're really shooting in the dark. Um, you are. As far as that goes. And I, and I understand like bigger cities, they don't necessarily have that ability to do that. But these, you know, small to mid-sized, medium-sized departments, you know, eight, eight stations, 12, 15 stations max probably. If you have a good area, good um, area of fire school and EMT school, man, it'd be, to me it'd be simple. It would take a little, you know, guys would have to actually get involved and stuff and find out. But to me, it really wouldn't be that complicated. Then you really know what you're getting. Absolutely. Because think about coming out of, uh, like, a, a recruiter for either pro sports or college sports of any aspect. They're literally watching those athletes perform from, like, sophomore year in high school all the way up through. They, they want to know. They talk to their teachers. They find out where they a shit student. They find out, you know, does he have friends? Is he a cocky piece of shit? You know, how does he perform in this whole aspect? Then we know what we're getting when he comes to our campus or he comes to our organization. We know what we're getting. So to me, that's what I would Man, do. I couldn't agree with you more. And also as a recruiter, don't be pulling some kind of military bullshit promising <laughs> the moon and everything else. And, hey, just sign on the side of the line. Everything's going to work out. Yeah. No, be very transparent when you're going into it, you know, and let them know the job and, you know, don't sugarcoat anything. Uh, I mean, he should, should definitely not know the politics and stuff of the fire department. That's something he doesn't need to be, you know, involved in yet. But, you know, just like if you're busy, you know, and you're running 15, 20 calls and stuff like that, a shift, be transparent with stuff like that. Be transparent with the numbers. If you don't fight no fire, tell them. Because, you know, this guy might just want to go out there and get a lot of fire experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't lie to him because then he's going to get there and say, oh, shit, these motherfuckers lied to me, you know. Yeah, all we do is run EMS calls. I thought I was going to get to be a fireman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh and that comes back to what we said on the last show about transparency mm-hmm. in the hiring process. You can tell them. But at the same time, you're going to know when, when you're watching a person go through their academy and, and all their performance, you're going to know kind of where they are as far as being able to handle, you know, if somebody can handle running 20 calls a day. Mm-hmm. Um, or if that's, if that's sadly too high speed for them, which my personal opinion on that is, is, is if you're a rookie coming in and you don't want to run a bunch, 
I don't I don't necessarily want you on my crew. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody coming in brand new on the in on the job should be hungry enough to want to make a lot of calls. Does it suck? Absolutely it sucks. And you go home and crash on the couch and you might wake up a day later, but you still should want that. You should want that level of experience, want that level of exposure. Um, but you would see that throughout a, a four to six month um, recruitment period. You, you would see that and be able to know if that's in that person's character. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they're going to look at it as like, Dude, these guys are coming to watch me all the time. They're, you know, really taking my stats. They're really being very observant. They must be some a legit department, you know. If they're putting this much time and this much effort into recruiting people, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm selected out of this many people, I mean, then it, you kind of prestige your department in a way that you're really not even realizing it because, you know, not everyone's doing this. Not everyone's. I mean, we didn't have one department come to our fire uh, fire class, you know. No, no. When I went through fire academy, like it was, you know, recession time. Shit, they they were basically like, "Hey, we're going to teach you all this, but you may or may not get a job." Like yeah. there just wasn't, there was no follow up on getting you in. And and I, that's something I would like to see fire uh, fire academies do more is preparing people not just to pass their state test, but to to get the job. You know, do some interview training with the people. Do reach out you know they, a lot of them will tell oh yeah you can use this as reference can I really because mm-hmm. usually that's all a line of shit but that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> they just want to blow smoke up your ass because they're trying to get your money yeah um, and that and that's kind of a beef that I have with, with several of the academies that I've noticed over you know the last 10 years or so a lot of these departments especially these kind of fly by night uh, academies they're just getting people trained up just enough to pass the test get their cert and that's it you know, they're barely even burning them on live fire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would get people that went to said academy and they did all their crap, you know, in a few weeks or one or two weeks and they did all this hands on. Then they come out and they, I was like, you know, they well, we never really had live fire. Like they didn't get hot at all. Mm-hmm. And then they come on the job and then they don't realize, ooh, it gets really hot. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, you're setting them up for failure oh, in that yeah. also that, some, you know, somebody can make a little money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of that I have a bone to pick with that but that's just the older mentality me I, I personally believe in academies being solid like a boot camp because that's I mean that's what you're doing oh it's essentially what it is and so now you got these guys hired so from this zero month day start first day on the job till his three years how would you get these guys to stay and this is the this is the problem you know this is the one that everyone's running into, you know, just the whole retention piece of it. Uh, I know there's several factors I mean, that go into it, but what, say, one what, he sees the most, like what, what uh, is the most problem? What level am I at? <laughs> am I a senior fireman or am I an officer? Am I chief? What am I? You're an officer. You're an officer kind of just looking from the outside in and just, you're kind of observing this guy and you're kind of trying to shape him and stuff, but these guys are still leaving. Um, man, first right out of the bag, I would do like I I already do with you know anytime I get a new crew member, sit them down, have expectations talk. What's your expectations of me as your as your first officer you're working for, or even you know I have guys come from another station. I'll be like, hey, but you know you work for these other captains, you have never worked for me before. What's your expectations in a captain? Mm-hmm. Okay, boom. Well, these are my expectations of you as a firefighter or as a EO, whatever the rank is. But for this example. Mm-hmm. You know, this is you're coming in this department. This is my expectations of you. Um, then I would I would transition that into 
basically an interview with that person to find out what do they want. Like, you know, we, we've gotten all the, the housekeeping part of expectations and this is how you do this at the station. This is what tactics we use. This is, you know, how I want you to come in in the mornings and, and this is your routine for work. But what, what is it that you're wanting out of this goal? Uh, or, you know, what are your goals for out of this job? Are you wanting to, I mean, at your department, everybody has to become a paramedic. So mm-hmm. that's, that's happening. So, it, you, you know, you can't really build on that and find out if a guy's passion is more on the EMS side. And then you can kind of dive into that because <laughs> you ain't got a choice where you're at. You're going to run, you're going to run that ambulance. Yeah. Which I mean, that's, you know, a lot of departments. So, but you find out what is that guy's five-year goal? What is that guy's 10-year goal? Or lady, um, I got to get in the habit of saying that a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's just the crew is all, all you know everybody's guys. Um, but I would find out exactly where that person's head is at mm-hmm. on their expectations. Um, a lot of people uh, from pretty much my generation, a little bit before me, and then all the way down, you know. Um, exposure to the fire service is all post 9-11 is all where firefighters are, are highly viewed in the public as heroes um, there's a million shows TV shows, movies all this crap about you know fire department life so that that adds a different aspect of it because they might already have some preconceived notions on what it's like in the firehouse and it may not be exactly accurate. Yes. You know, especially, especially the soap <laughs> mm-hmm. opera end of the bullshit. Exactly. Um, so you can have that kind of conversation. You can really fill it out. I mean, uh, I hate to say it out there, but there's people that, that have absolute wrong expectations. They have wrong desires of being firefighters. That, I mean, that's just flat out. But you can have that conversation and be like, hey, you know, we're wanting to keep you here. We've already invested this time getting you hired in. We're going to get you trained up on, on all the stuff that you need to know how to do. So from that point forward, what's some things that, that you would want to do with your career? Um, find out if, that, if, if they're you know, really, really interested in on, on fireside or really interested in rescue or really interested in EMS. And then, which your department is actually probably one of the best about it, like we talked about before, is the specialty stuff. You know, by by the time a person's three years in, I know that there's a lot of departments that are pushing people way faster than what it needs to be at this current moment. But three years in, you should be a senior firefighter. Um, with you, that's a you know your department. That's a lot of EMS experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a fair bit of fire experience. But at that point, you can start advancing them into some more. Either, I mean, they're going to already be knowing some advanced fire tactics by that point for sure. But you can start pushing them into, okay, three years, you can become an instructor. Three years, you can start going, sending to some rescue schools. Of course, you, you're probably going to have your driver operator at that point. So we can start pouring more into you on getting you, getting you more trained up, getting you more comfortable with driving the apparatus, um, get you kind of ready for that next step. If that's something that they desire, they want to be an EO or a driver, whatever, you know, you call it. Um, you can start building them up on that. That way you keep them engaged. Yes. Because to me, that zero to three year mark, if you're making a lot of runs, of course it's faster, but 
it usually takes about three to four years, depending on how, what you're called by. Now, if you work in one of these places that runs like two calls a fucking year, then you're looking at 25 years before you get where I'm talking about. But three to four years at a high-speed department, you're going to be – the tunnel vision is going to be gone. You're going to start being able to see a lot of big picture. You can roll up on a call, and you start understanding what the driver is going through. You start understanding what the captain's going through. You're starting to see all the puzzle pieces of everything that has to take place for this to be a successful incident. Um, I'm not going to say the excitement's gone because you do still get the excitement, especially whenever it's something new. But you're you're able to process it a whole lot better than you are day one mm-hmm. or even even year one um, because there's you're one year in, you're still having to try to learn everything of what you're supposed to do. But then you have all this huge picture crap. You still get tunnel vision a lot at that point. So. Um, I would say really start just trying to figure out what the direction is that they're wanting to go in their career um, because they feel that make them feel engaged. They feel like they're, well, man, I'm, I'm here for more than just running med calls and, and fire alarms, you know, because that, that can be exhausting. If all you're doing is showing up, you're never getting any training, you're never getting to do any cool advanced stuff, you're never getting to go off and see different aspects of the fire service um all you're doing is just running med calls making fire alarms you make a few fires but the and the fires are your high high points that's what keeps you engaged and keeps you fired up is because you're getting to do that but the rest of it just becomes real monotonous and you kind of feel like you're spinning your wheels and never going anywhere so for me as an officer i would make sure i'm keeping that person engaged and build them in the career in the direction they want to go man i couldn't agree with you more because I think, I mean, even looking at uh, statistics of, you know, firefighters leaving, it's always on that plateau phase. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they're just, you know, spinning wheels and they're not going anywhere. They're kind of stuck. So everyone in habit wants something new, wants something different, you know, because everyone wants to, you know, put it in words, just the grass is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. But you can make that happen in the department. You know, yeah. just keep them changed, keep them engaged, keep doing stuff. And, uh, the training aspect's big, you know, because, I mean, if you showed up to work and just run calls and sit in chair all day, I mean, just so, I'm big on wasting time. I don't like wasting any time. I don't like taking time off. I'm just that guy. Mm-hmm. So Shoot, anytime, <laughs> anytime I feel like I get in a rut, uh, man, I really get kind of depressed and I get kind of down on myself because I feel like I could be being productive. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go into an environment where, man, it's always about getting better, it's always about being better, I mean, that's just going to, you know, keep guys fired up and keep them engaged, keep them motivated. Because the whole motivational piece is a pretty big deal with, you know, for mental health and stuff like that. Because, you know, you're going to go around and see these bad calls and stuff, and you're going to get depressed and stuff. And you're just going to be kind of, you know, feel sorry for yourself. But if you stay engaged and stay motivated to keep on doing the job, you know, you'll get out of that rut. You might, I don't know. You kind of see where I'm getting at, though. Oh, yeah, but. completely. That's, I mean, I, 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 shoot, I have some examples of that in my, in my own career. Um, the volunteer department I, I very first started off with, uh, they were all about training. I mean, they would file for grants and send you to stuff, and I got to go to all kinds of cool shit and all this kind of stuff. And then I get my first paid job and, uh, you know, full-on full on career department, and they were so much of – we got to worry about running our direct calls and they were overwhelmed to be perfectly honest. They were overwhelmed. The, the rapid expansion of the community, the growth of the community, all the industrial and 
commercial properties, going retail, all this stuff, apartment building. I mean, it was just nuts being built, just boom, 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 boom. Um, they were completely overwhelmed, but they were also way too prideful to admit they were overwhelmed and ask for help. They refused it. They had to keep everything locked in on their own little shit. So the things that guys like myself that were, we were passionate about, it was like, shut up and get on the truck, run your calls. So, I mean, I had a bunch of certs that freaking expired because they wouldn't even let me go to a refresher class. And it was things that I truly enjoyed. Like, I, I love the swift water aspect. That's something mm. that, that I've always been involved in. Um, I love it. Like, that's that's one of the coolest things to me is doing swift water. And, man, my cert's been expired for a long time now. I uh, see. Because I didn't work it. They just refused to let you go. And to be point blank, I wasn't making enough money to pay for that class on my own. But, I mean, it is what it is. But it, that's little things like that. Like, hey, if a guy like swift water... Let them go to Swiftwater because I don't care where you're at. At this point in time, we're seeing everywhere in the country is flooding at some point. Mm-hmm. So let that person go to those classes or if they want, you know, you're all into the, the road rescue. You, you've been all about that, doing that where we used to work and everything. You were all about teaching and learning all the new tactics for that. Let somebody go do those classes and bring that shit back. You never know when you're going to use it. And as a crew, you'd be like, hey, man, what all did you learn in that class? Man, it, it goes into them feeling valued. So, yep. you know, you're sending them to this class to learn this knowledge, and they come back and, you know, they're giving a class to everybody. doesn't matter the rank. There's value in that, and they're going to feel prideful of that. And it's like, dude, you know what? I'm making a difference in this department, you know? Mm-hmm. Why would I want to go anywhere else? i got so much work to do here. i got so much things to do. But if you're not, if you're just going running calls all the time and you just get stuck in this rut, why would you stay there? And you might fall in the rut, and you might like being in the rut. But, I mean, my personal opinion, I don't agree with that because you owe the citizens and you know, your guys next to you that want to be good and want to be badass to be well, badass. I, yeah, and I think everybody goes through that point in time uh, where you're just because you got to, you know, you also have the aspect of everything going on at home too. Mm-hmm. So it, it is kind of an ebb and flow throughout your career on those different milestones on when you're super engaged. And then when, you know, if you have a brand new baby at the house and you're going through all that kind of stuff at the house with being up all night with a newborn and you know you and your wife are trying to get everything going or you and your husband trying to get everything going you have all this stuff going on your focus is there mm-hmm. so it's really hard to be packing up and going to trainings and all that so oh, it, yeah. it kind of it kind of comes and goes but that's also if you know your crew and you know that you, I mean I had a guy on my crew straight up that they had a newborn baby that did not sleep at night absolutely did not sleep at night and so it was like when he come in I'm like get the truck checked off I don't want to see you for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't That's get awesome. caught, but I don't want to see you for a little bit. Because he, man, he'd come in and you could just see it written all over him. And there's nothing he can do about that. Nothing. And anybody that has babies or has a family understands that shit. Like, let's, let's turn robotic mode off. We're not robots. Mm-hmm. We are people. We are human beings. Everyone has a life outside of this damn fire station. So let's act like that. And, man, that little bitty stuff, just, just little bitty things like that. Like, hey, you know, go get you a shower, hide out. Seeing a little bit, um, he's good to go. And I hate to say it, if you those things, if you implement those things, that's going to keep guys from leaving. Oh, some simple things, hundred percent. Because I mean, <clears throat> that the bigger cities and the bigger departments can't offer that, and they won't offer that, you know, because they no. just can't. But you know, as small departments and as your crew and stuff like that, if you can offer them little things, man. And I don't want to keep on, you know, beating up a dead horse, but it means so much oh, and how does. much you could change with just that little factor and uh if everyone start implementing those things and you know and starting to know your guys and 
become a family that you love one another like how you're supposed to. You know, it'll, you can go pay me a million dollars somewhere else, and I will promise you I won't be as happy as I was making 50000 at this department because I was part of it. I was family and oh, everything completely. else. Because I experienced, you know, that in the Marine Corps, certain squads and, you know, certain platoons, dude. Like, I didn't, dude, why in the hell would I want to go anywhere else, you know? And I ain't going to lie, I jumped ship, you know, uh, to, I went to a different unit one time because we got a captain that was a fucking dick, <laughs> you know, and I was getting out and I wasn't going to be able to make this deployment because another battalion uh, was moving into our deployment rotation. So I went to the other battalion to go hop in with them guys, which I'm glad I did because I met, met a whole different, you know, new set of guys, a good group of guys, and I loved it. And so and I went in there and went in there pretty motivated, teaching them stuff, and they kept me pretty uh, activated in their daily doings, and they didn't treat me outcasted because I was new, even though I did come from a, a battalion with a lot more experience than they did. And uh, we was going into Afghanistan, so they'd never been, and I already went to one rotation over there. So they valued what I had to say and stuff like that, and I felt really good going into that new unit. And um, But, you know, I kind of went off topic there. But it's just a shit. The value of you being in a good culture and a good environment, you know, will keep you there. Okay. And a bad, if you go in there with a bad leadership and, you know, a bad environment, is going to force you to leave. And, you know. Yeah, no amount of money changes it. No. I mean, that's, that's the thing. You can, you can look on, on the commission website, and there's departments that are on there that are literally on there all the time. And they're paying really well, but they can't keep people. Mm-mm. So what does that tell you? Like. <laughs> We've had two guys in our department that went, left to go make more money. Lasted for about six months. Your ass is coming right back. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's all day long. If there's no if there's no value uh, in you being there and you and you truly feel that, then that can never be replaced. But if you if you do feel hundred percent value, feel like you have some buy in, you feel like you have a say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know we don't get to actually sign off on what the budget says, but it, it, little stuff like being able to have a say so in what what kind of equipment you're using, what kind of apparatus that you're using, you know, having the truck committees mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, man, it just makes a huge difference. Yeah. So, anyway, what else you got, man? That's about it, dude. That's, that's a good, good wrap for this one. You know, we'll save some stuff for the yeah, 3.0, 4.0, maybe have some different guys come on. We have some guys in mind that we yeah. plan on having on. Absolutely. So. Um, well, thank you all. Uh, give us a like. Give us a share on, on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, let everybody know and, and we appreciate it. Check out the website, tailboardmifits.com. Um, it's up. Uh, we just, we're waiting on our shipments and stuff to come in and then we'll be able to start fulfilling orders. But the website's up. Go ahead and put your email in there, get on the email list, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. <laughs>